Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in the space. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to break into the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you to achieve your goals. In today's episode, we feature Sam Englehart, a creative and entrepreneur within the fashion industry. He currently has his feet within Playground Printing, a direct-to-garment service, and the co-founder of Wisconsin Design Team, a brand that takes Wisconsin to another level within Madison Streetwear. Today, we'll discuss Sam's process of implementing his ideas into the projects he has worked on, from his process of opening up his printing and embroidery service and getting Wisconsin Design Team off the ground and where he wants to take these endeavors further into the future. This is the August Forum. Okay, so for today's episode, I'm here with Sam Engelhart. Sam, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, bro. How are you? I'm pretty good. Before we get started, do you want to tell the people who you are, what you do, and what you've been wearing recently? What I've been wearing recently? Ooh, yeah. Tough. My name is Sam Engelhart. I'm a graduate of UW-Madison, as well as FIT in New York. And I am an artist who owns a printing and embroidery shop in Brooklyn, New York. I wear a lot of sweatpants since <laughs> I own my own print shop and spend most of my days making clothes. I keep it pretty casual as of late. Yeah, we're going to kind of talk about Playground a lot here. Do you kind of like that you get to have almost a wholesale account with certain like blanks and you're just able to kind of take them and just wear them? Yeah, it's nice. LA Apparel should sponsor me already. <laughs> I walk around in LA Apparel all day. I have a few pieces from Wisconsin Design Team, and I love wearing it just because it's LA Apparel. It's just such a good blank. Right. Is that your only go-to blank, or do you have other places that you kind of dip into? For sure. I mean, I have wholesale accounts across the board, and you're always trying to look for the next kind of it blank. LA Apparel has definitely been number one since I got the account with them a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, and it's hard to beat their quality. Speaking of just like what you've been wearing recently, but what kind of like music have you been listening to recently as well? Since the start of the new year, I haven't been listening to as much music, more podcasts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But always Bob Dylan in the rotation, Nancy Griffith. Does that come from you being kind of from the Midwest, do you think? I think it's less Midwest and more just being someone who listens to the lyrics a lot mm-hmm. and just trying to tap into the deeper message that some of those artists were not necessarily trying to speak about, but you can hear a certain flow through those artists that I really appreciate. Do you think that you find yourself like taking inspiration, not only from, I think a lot of people, especially me, even when I listen to music, I might not pay attention to the lyrics as much, but do you find yourself as someone that's like nitpicky about certain details and you kind of take that into the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, details are what make good art or good creativity Mm -hmm. or whatever great and so I definitely see greatness in these artists in terms of how they're able to piece together a a song through really a poem and that's Mm -hmm. what I'm more into than lyrics but I still get down with you know Young Thug and Skepta (laughs) and other stuff when I gotta get things going. Shout out Skepta. I love Skepta. For sure. Okay. Greatness only. Yeah. Today, we're going to dive into your experiences, not only with Wisconsin Design Team and Playground Printing, but first, could you talk about like your initial introduction into the fashion industry and like kind of the fashion space and 
the process you undertook in like garment making, really? Sure. So it definitely started at UW-Madison, which is why Wisconsin design team so great, because I'm able to utilize the skill set that I acquired at UW-Madison to put out quality work to primarily students at UW-Madison. So it's a full circle moment there. It definitely was my junior year of college. I switched from the business school into textile and fashion design. And, you know, as kind of a naive and new creative, I feel like I just dove headfirst into so many different directions, sewing, printing, you know, contemporary art history, full nine yards. And it was definitely that junior year of college where I started taking strides into the fashion industry. And then through UW-Madison got to FIT Mm -hmm. and, you know, being in New York is very important if you're going to have a career in fashion. So I was able to get locked down here and finish up my school there and started my print shop as soon as I graduated. So it hasn't really stopped since that junior year. Mm -hmm. So did you find yourself initially just kind of gravitating towards printing, sewing, embroidering, or did you kind of go through other other paths and you kind of just like found yourself really more comfortable with what you are at now? It was definitely a contemporary art history class that really sparked things for me. And I remember seeing the parallels between contemporary art and Virgil Abloh at the time, you know, being a kid from Madison, seeing him speak and having him influence kind of my sense of style and and artistic creativity. Mm -hmm. He seeing those parallels definitely made me gravitate more towards fashion. And then I knew that UW had a program, textile fashion design, homie Alex Heisel. He was already in it. And so I just really took the jump and (laughs) and went ahead first for it. It was through that art history, though, and that understanding and seeing the parallels between the two things that made me think fashion was probably the right direction. So Alex is going to love that shout out that you just gave him right there. Yeah, I've known him (laughs) since kindergarten. So (laughs) He's going to love it. Well, speaking of UW-Madison, like you're an alumni of UW and kind of like that led you to making Wisconsin design team. But you also had the opportunity to, I think Rob told me that he actually met you while you were studying there. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Rob for sure. Coming into Madison and really setting the stage and, and growing the streetwear community. I he came correct. And it was like my junior year of college, you know, walking into his very tastefully created store for the first time was a reminder of, wow, this, this is definitely going to be something bigger and is going to continue to grow. And here's a great example of that. Yeah. Just speaking of like UW and just kind of your journey through it, like, why did you switch? Like what made you, what clicked in your head where you knew that like, all right, I don't want to go into the business world, but here's this whole different avenue that there is for me. And that's what I want to do. Um, I think I had already gathered an entrepreneurial mindset from the business school. And yeah. it was always like the big idea. And I didn't like the nitpicky little shit that you had to deal with through the <laughs> business school. Like it just wasn't my scene, but I still had that business mentality and mindset already. So I just took that mindset and initiative and decided that I didn't necessarily need the background as much as I did the general sense Mm -hmm. and took that mindset into clothing and developing an artistic skill set that could eventually be sold in a 
career that made more sense for me. Mm -hmm. So you found yourself kind of like, all right, here, I've already developed this skill in place. Now you wanted to go and develop other skills that you thought could further yourself. Is that kind of what you kind of garnered with that? Yeah, I always saw myself in a creative space, whether it be, you know, working for a brand, thinking about post-graduation, you want to maybe work for a business that's, it was always fashion. I could work for Patagonia or Nike or Adidas. And I just saw myself in those places. And so it became about becoming more versatile in terms of skill set to eventually sell myself to one of those companies. Yeah. I mean, we can't talk about like your time at school if we don't talk about FIT. Like what got you there and like what made you want to go like to FIT specifically? It wasn't necessarily as much FIT as it was getting to New York, because actually when I went to FIT, it wasn't fashion design or textile design, nothing studio based. It was advertising and marketing communications. Yeah. So I just like, I stepped back again and it was about creating that versatility within my skill set again. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to hammer home that business, I guess, knowledge one more year. And it was also much easier to get into the business school than it was the <laughs> fashion design program. And so I was like, shit, I don't know if I can compete with some of these people because, you know, they're yeah the best of the best. And so I went the business route and got to New York and did my internships and made my connections and took everything I could from the school. But it wasn't necessarily knowledge based at that point. It was yeah. more relationship based and work experience based. So you kind of like took this opportunity as a way for like, okay, yeah, I get to go to school, but also this is my chance to like settle my feet in and kind of dip my toes into the water. Definitely. Because that's what New York is. I'm trying to be from Madison and never being in New York. And then you're going to apply to a job out there where there's thousands of other people applying for yeah exactly it's a tough scene out there i mean you've done great just to be able to center your foot in but damn hats off to you there what have been like kind of like the biggest reflections you've taken so far out of your time in new york like what was like kind of the big first lessons that you really learned there the shit's expensive (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i i touched down i got a job at moma in their design store you know being like an artist specialist with my background and contemporary art history Mm -hmm. and so it's culture shock you're getting used to the highs and lows you see the biggest of the big you see the Mm -hmm. lowest of the lows and so it was forever a culture shock and it just came down to developing the new york grind and hustle that so many of the people here take pride in Mm -hmm. and if you can't develop that you know you're not necessarily going to survive out here it's a trip out here it's It takes a lot of hard work and risk taking, but it's a certain mindset that I too am developing pride in as I spend more and more time out here. Nice. You've talked about a lot of this contemporary art side of yourself. This isn't something that like, you know, you can just Google up here, but how important is that to you? Like now, even when you kind of like create and when you make art, like how much do you take into that? I take it. All the way, honestly. I mean, Wisconsin design team, I'm blessed with the ability to kind of dumb down ideas to Mm -hmm. become sellable products that is part of the business. But the creative and contemporary artist within me is always trying to take it here and really have something to say along those lines so that you're not just putting more 
stuff into the universe. You're actually yeah. putting something good out that makes someone reflect or mm-hmm. also see the underlying truth that you're trying to speak on. And so it should always be present in my work to some degree, especially when it's more personal work, just mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm trying to have something to say. I'm not just trying to create something to sell or Mm -hmm. something along those lines it's not really an ego driven thing it's more of a flow within me that i think all contemporaries should have is there a certain pieces like comes to your mind that you kind of are like that's like that speaks to me more that i've created personally or like other people's stuff just something that you've created that you think really reflects your love for contemporary art and this kind of like flow that you've kind of mentioned here definitely more of my personal brand samuel william that has definitely been put on the back burner with (laughs) both both businesses growing so much but it's my dream to one day again just kind of innocently play with materials each day Mm -hmm. and i think of robert rauschenberg and jasper johns and yeah the concept of just ready-mades and walking around your neighborhood and finding Mm -hmm. the materials necessary to create beauty. And that's something that I definitely aspire to get to in life. And right now, I just think I'll get there through building my businesses Mm -hmm. and, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, be able to have that creative freedom that you're able to constantly create music that enters into a performance art that you Mm -hmm. make while you also have your paintings hanging on the wall you know that's very much my dream more so than just making clothes Mm -hmm. so you kind of right i mean right now with both playground and wisconsin design team like really like taking off especially in 2022 you find yourself that that's not your end goal and like you're not being complacent with that you want to continue to grow your own personal portfolio outside of that Definitely. I mean, those two things in and of themselves are portfolio based, you know, at the end of the day. And it comes back to my desire to be an artist. Everyone I work with and have recruited to join the team are all artists. We Mm. all have artistic goals and dreams. And that's what I look out for, because that's what brings upon the best work, you know, something that has that deeper level and, and meaning and desire from artists you just kind of mentioned like this team that you have around you it is super important to have a strong group of people kind of build that foundation for you and help you build that foundation but how do you find those people how do you find the people that you can trust and know that they're you know not just there for the clout quote unquote but just there to help you grow and like grow themselves well they're all close to me my my business partner who's helped me grow playground printing to the point it is, is someone I've known for a decade. And so he handles all embroidery and graphic design and is my right-hand man for everything. Yeah. And so that's who I called when I couldn't figure out my <laughs> microphone before this. <laughs> he's there along this whole journey, really. And then my college roommate handles all our back-end stuff. Mm-hmm. And so shout out Kaz and Josh Kuhn, who is half of Wisconsin design team is someone who I never met at UW, but we kind of knew each other through acquaintances. And I always saw his artistic drive and talent. And we've been able to build Wisconsin design team into what it is today. So just finding people that you can trust, honestly, Mm -hmm. and taking a chance on 
about developing and building business with your friends, despite what everyone says. You're like taking the way that everybody just discourages. You just got to go for it. And <laughs> everyone should have kind of a clear vision as to where we're headed. And mm -hmm. you just chip away at that day after day. During my recent conversation with Sam, it became apparent that he's deeply committed to his entrepreneurial pursuits and is motivated to achieve success. He shared that his time at UW-Madison helped him not only create a brand in Wisconsin design team, but also develop valuable skills in printing and embroidery. His dedication to honing these skills allowed him to expand his business and pursue opportunities in new markets. Sam's decision to venture beyond Madison and explore new opportunities in Brooklyn, New York was a strategic move to capitalize on his refined skill set. His success in the market can be attributed to his dedication to delivering high-quality work, which is evident in his portfolio of completed projects. To make ends meet and continue to thrive in a city as competitive as New York, Sam relied on his expertise and leveraged his skills to earn income. His success is a testament to his tenacity and his willingness to push beyond conventional boundaries in order to achieve his goals. As we continue our conversation with Sam and learn more about his company, Playground Printing, it is evident that his success is rooted in his mindset of constantly challenging himself and refusing to be confined by limitations. He has demonstrated a remarkable ability to expand his horizons and adapt to new challenges, all while maintaining a laser focus on delivering exceptional results for his clients. Let's get into kind of the meat and potatoes then of your work and kind of what we've really been mentioning here and kind of talk about each thing. Let's start with playground printing. So playground printing, like you talked about, is like a kind of a direct-to-garment printing and embroidery service based in Brooklyn. You've worked with brands not only at August, but also brands such as like Bloomfield Works and then now with New York Fashion Week. Can you talk about how like the service itself was conceived and how like proud you are to see it kind of grow this much? It was definitely conceived on the last semester of college. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't my plan to start a printing and embroidery shop. I just graduated in 2020 into the pandemic. And so all my opportunities job-wise disappeared overnight. Mm -hmm. And so it was out of desire to stay in New York that I thought about how I could sell my skill set kind of as a freelancer. Mm -hmm. And I had researched direct-to-garment printers before and was, you know, making graphics, making t-shirts a little bit, but thought maybe I could pay rent if I bought a DTG <laughs> machine, you know, could sell a hundred shirts a month, yeah. I could pay rent and stay in New York. And so I was working at a studio in Brooklyn a little bit, helping out Savant Studios and... He had about a 250 square foot basement that he let me put my printer in, my Michael Graham. And that's how I started. I just took the risk, bought a printer, and it was already a space in which creatives were coming into. Yeah. And so I was able to get a lot of work pretty quick. And then it kind of started this flow of if I'm not busy, I'm making my own stuff. And if I am busy, then I'm still making enough to pay rent. And mm -hmm. It just became a nice swing and balance of that. And we were able to, from there, add an embroidery machine mm -hmm. and six months later, get our own spot. And it's just kind of snowballed into that with consistency and hard work. And like I said before, just chipping away each day at kind of visions and goals that we put in front of us and just keep hitting them. How have you been like been able to get these connections to these certain like brands to be able to, I mean, at the time it was to pay rent, but now it's to like 
grow your business and grow the portfolio that playground has like how did that come about honestly word of mouth like mm-hmm. if you look outside my shop i still have the original signage that says <laughs> no string gold dealers on it <laughs> and it also says we moved across the street so it's word of mouth it's almost like a speakeasy print shop so to speak and so obviously you love to get the 200 t-shirts for the local school or something like that but yeah we've always kind of been creative based clientele and so again you're selling your skill set more so than you're just selling your service Mm -hmm. and so through that we've been able to do one cool embroidery job that gets us another cool one and then that person tells their friend that they're capable of doing a full leg pant embroidery which not everyone out here is offering and so through word of mouth, great friends who opened doors to other clients. I went to Matt Bloomfield and have it come back full mm-hmm. circle with August if it weren't for my friend Maxime who runs Gangsters by Flowers. Yeah. And so it's just doing good work and treating all your clients as best you can and them spreading the word and such a big city of creativity. Do you think that's like you're able to find that hole in the wall because like you're out in New York and do you think that like you were blessed that it was in new york rather than anywhere else across country definitely i considered you know getting a studio space in my hometown with the same printer and it just went to work you never know any day a new opportunity can walk through the door in new york so Mm -hmm. it's definitely the reason that it functions the way it does have there been any brands or any creatives that you've been able to work with that you're really like proud of and something that you kind of take to heart Probably the coolest one was I made a jacket for ASAP Rocky and Mercedes Benz. Whoa. And it was like a quick turnaround, needed to fly it out to Germany the next day. And (laughs) we were able to get it done. That was really cool. Every year doing like the fashion week stuff for Murder Bravado. This will be our Mm -hmm. fifth season. We just finished up. So it's always that time of the season in August or in January where we're, you know, doing embroidery work. 10, 12 hours a day for fashion week. So it's fun to be part of that process. Yeah, a lot of surreal moments like that. Beastroy, you know, mm-hmm. a brand that I was wearing and in, in college. Now I'm printing for them every week. <laughs> it's just surreal experiences like that. But again, you have to be confident in your skill set and be able to handle a client like that who has, has been around the block. So if you if you told 18-year-old Sam this is what you would be doing and kind of like how your trajectory has gone, would you believe it? Would 18-year-old you believe that? This Not is 18, this. 18-year-old you while in the business school too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I was pretty ambitious back then, but I don't know if I thought it would happen this quick. And I never thought it would be a print shop. I always kind of clothing or, you know, a shop like August, so to speak, where you're able to build and and grow a community that's into that same type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't think it would happen this early, but (laughs) I always envision myself, you know, kind of doing my own thing. So do you think that like, I mean, we talked about how when the pandemic happened, all the job offers that you had lined up just like snapped out of your fingers. Do you find yourself that, I mean, the pandemic fucking sucked for everybody and it's not truly a blessing, but do you think that if that didn't happen, that this trajectory that you've been going on wouldn't be the same? hundred percent. I'd be doing something else for sure. (laughs) What do you think you'd be doing if the pandemic didn't exist? My top job that I was gunning for was 
a two-year design internship in Erzog in Germany for Adidas. Mm -hmm. And so I was on the final round of interviews for that when they told me that the program was no longer. And so that was that is crazy. What do you think of them now? They cut themselves off with Kanye and now Yeezy is basically no longer a thing and now all they really have are a few models like the sambas what other models do they really have going on right now like they're in a really weird situation and position right now what do you think of that and like how would you kind of take that into account i don't know that's a good question i don't follow adidas like that i know yeezy has been a big blow obviously but it comes down to getting creative again and finding that next niche market that hasn't been touched and it's tough tough right now i feel like since virgil left this planet everyone's kind of been in a weird state of how to move move that quick and how to Mm -hmm. innovate that fast and touch all these different narratives so quickly and i think that goes for sportswear companies and it goes for high fashion houses and Mm -hmm. it goes for streetwear community in general and so i put adidas kind of in that category of rebrand almost yeah do you think that we're kind of in a lull in fashion where I mean, I just was talking to Jordan Thomas in our past episode, and he kind of sees fashion going into where everyone's wearing a certain uniform that kind of defines them. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I guess I guess that's one direction it could go. I wear sweatpants every day, so that's my <laughs> uniform. No, I, it comes down to being true to yourself through and through, and that's why New York's so great to be in because it's almost like a battle to be you know, the most outgoing version of yourself yeah. from, a, from an outfit standpoint. And if you're not being 100% out there, you know, you're kind of behind in fashion. So it'll forever be a version of yourself that you're putting on the body. And it's just crazy how fast things move in fashion. And mm-hmm. so I hope that the future of fashion is able to slow down yeah. as difficult as that might be to do. Um you know, we don't need as much stuff. We need stuff that'll last and, you know, being more sustainable and mm-hmm. knowledgeable about what it is you're putting out there. I I hope that all new aspiring creatives are able to take that into account and mm-hmm. have that at the forefront of their constant reminder list as they continue to develop good product. So kind of shifting back to Playground now, let's say I was a brand coming to you like trying to get my garments either embroidered or printed, like what is that communication process like for you guys? And like, what are some obstacles that you kind of find yourselves like facing when it comes to the back end stuff? An ideal client will bring through a tech pack that has, you know, a mock-up of their design on a t-shirt or hoodie or hat, mm-hmm. as well as the specific measurements that they're going for and style of prints or embroidery that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So those jobs are always straightforward, but you'll get the clients who comes in who has never done anything before, but has an idea and you have to take the time and be patient and help maybe develop a graphic for them that mm-hmm. then gets prepared to be embroidered or printed and go through an entire sample process with those new creatives. And, you know, there's there's a silver light. It's definitely a cool experience to be a part of because you're able to be with that person for their whole creative process. And so it's definitely become tougher to, you know, take those clients in and walk them through. Yeah. Um, But it's important that we always do because, you know, that's where we started and that's kind of, 
you know, what we pride ourselves on is being a part of that process and helping mm-hmm. grow brands from nothing into something. And some of our best clients are the ones who continue to come back that, you know, we kind of groomed from that young stage. And so it's, it's a fun process to be a part of, and I'm grateful for every step of the way. So that's kind of like kind of talking about how you treat each client with that same mentality of like, if you walk in the door, like we're going to help you out. And that kind of has stuck through even as you guys have gotten more jobs and projects to do. Like that's still a mindset that you guys keep. Yeah, as tough as it is. I mean, you'll definitely get clients, especially in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, that come in and you're like, okay, dude, like, (laughs) I don't know if we're necessarily the person for you here. You know, you get some outlandish requests and you just try and treat everyone the same and with the same amount of respect. And at the end of the day, you are bringing their idea to life, yeah. regardless of whether they're doing 100 or 10. And so it just comes again down to bringing your best skill set to the table when you're making these people's work. Yeah. What's like the most outlandish request you've ever gotten? Oh, that's a tough one. There's been a lot of... <laughs> just all over prints when you're like oh really <laughs> I met, you explain your max print area and they're like well i wanted to cover the whole shirt and so we used to go harder in terms of trial and error on how to accomplish some of these things embroidery on top of the hat that's a tough oh my one God. tons of stuff i don't know it's hard that's a good question are those like are those all things that you're able to kind of accomplish or those kind of at the end of the day you're like damn we don't even know if we could do that um a lot of our projects have started with damn i don't know if i could do that (laughs) then we offer it (laughs) again we'll tell someone you know i've never done that before but i'm willing to try yeah a lot of times clients appreciate that and are, are willing to pay for that trial and as long as that's the case you know we'll give it a go was there anything that again was outlandish and when you got it done you're like holy shit i can't believe we actually did that um i remember we had just gotten our embroidery machine we were maybe like two weeks into it yeah and actually bloomfield came in and wanted to do embroidery work over the top of the print (laughs) and so we're like oh shit yeah i guess we can do it I guess we can do that. You know, we had to learn that whole process and line the embroidery up perfectly with the prints. And when we were finally done with it, it came out perfect. And we're like, yeah. here we go. And it and felt great to, uh, you know, accomplish that and, and start offering it and stuff. Nice. Well, now as like a lot of brands and creatives kind of approach you guys for your guys' services and your guys' skill sets, like how do you guys want to plan to continue to like grow this and move forward? You know, we've been in a constant growth state since we started. And so we're continuing to kind of build the ship as we're already at sea. And with that, a major goal for Playground Printing this year is to add screen printing to open that door. And so I'd say that's our next growth step there and continuing to hire good quality creatives Mm -hmm. uh, to help expand with that. So that's our growth goal with Playground here. You know, Wisconsin design team is a whole nother opportunity and business that needs to be taken with kind of the same mindset. Yeah, exactly. Same mindset. And so it's important to us to open up a store in Madison. Hopefully that's this fall. If not, hopefully extended pop up at the very least. But Playground Printing has had the privilege of collaborating with esteemed brands such as Bloomfield Works and even our own brand, August. 
Under the leadership of Sam and his team, Playground Printing has seized opportunities to showcase its exceptional works at New York Fashion Week and other notable events. Despite these achievements, Sam's ambition has not waned. From the initial signs he displayed when he first leased the studio, it is evident that Playground Printing is merely at the beginning of a promising journey. Turning our attention to the origins of Wisconsin's design team now, it is intriguing to learn about its conception and the direction in which Sam and his team intend to take the brand. With prominent figures like Jack Harlow sporting the corn long sleeve tee in the upcoming film White Men Can't Jump, Wisconsin's design team is poised to make a profound impact in the streetwear industry beyond Wisconsin. Sam's unwavering commitment to excellence and innovative ideas has enabled him to lead playground printing and Wisconsin design team towards an upward trajectory. It is clear that his vision for both entities is marked by a relentless pursuit of success and a drive to push boundaries. As we look towards the future, we are excited to witness the continued growth and success of playground printing and Wisconsin design team under Sam and his team. Let's dive into Wisconsin design team now then. That's what we got next on the docket here. Wisconsin Design Team is a very niche brand in itself and a niche kind of avenue that you've kind of found, not only Madison, but just in general. How did that idea get conceived and where did you find that hole in the wall in the market? It goes back over two years now. You know, I could look back through my emails and find us emailing the head of licensing at UW-Madison two years ago, asking about the process. So I started that notion two years ago and then josh coon interned for us at playground printing Mm -hmm. that summer it would be two years ago this summer in his time here i kind of pitched the idea of a wisconsin brand and developed the core product of the arc logo short yep to kind of help seed that growth as he returned for his final semester after that summer Mm -hmm. and so him i Briar were, you know, just making as many ideas as we could. And he was trying to push him as much as he could in Madison that <laughs> last semester he was there and it caught and we were able to keep developing and building off of the energy that, you know, our community that we had grown was, was giving back to us. And we really haven't stopped since we try to keep our foot on the pedal as much as we can there. And being that we're all from Wisconsin, it makes it easier yeah, as that's kind of what we try and do is capture the essence of Wisconsin and, mm-hmm. you know, give people what they want from a sports merchandise perspective. So how do you think that, like, it really did catch on? I think in the past probably year, the amount of pop ups you guys have done, the amount of people that I've like just seen buy not only the arc logo shorts, but now sweatpants. And then now you got the hoodies and you got different iterations like what in itself do you think really caught on into the market that you guys have? I think, again, just giving people what they wanted. You yeah. know, sports merchandise has for so long been just, you know, basic and the same thing over and over and over. And mm-hmm. to add the slight nuance to that already given product is going to make someone want to purchase our product over the next, you know, champion or fanatics hoodie. Mm-hmm. And so adding that nuance on top of being again from Wisconsin and knowing the ins and outs of the lifestyle there, you know, trying to capture that feeling and, you know, slight joke surrounding what it is to be a Wisconsinite. <laughs> what is then like kind of like the more cheeky things that you guys have made? Cheeky. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because we can talk we... about like all the fun and great like successful like successful pieces you have, but you guys have also made like really like I would kind of say sarcastic in a way. That's just kind of the nature of our comedy, I guess. We all have a funny sense of humor when it comes to the. It's just about having fun at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. And so, making a drinking team hat using the same, you know, typeface that the football team uses yeah. and stuff like that. It's it's just about adding a a little sense of humor and a reminder to everyone to not take it too seriously because at the end of the day, you're just buying a piece of Wisconsin, you know, it's mm-hmm. something that you'll remember when you're graduated and yep. you're like, oh yeah, this was cool. And it's a nostalgic thing. I remember, I think one of the funniest things that you guys did and one of the things I was like, damn, they really got me is when you guys photoshopped, like, I think it was the Bucks hat onto rocky ariana because i think a lot of people were convinced and i was one of them i was like damn no way that happened what made you guys do that like you guys have really just gone for it at this point like what made you guys really be like all right this is like pretty fucking funny that we're doing this that's 100 percent josh coon josh coon always makes those photoshops and he was doing it for his personal brand mm-hmm. and i was like bro you got to do one for us yeah Wisconsin design team and so he did, and it just went crazy, like went. crazier than anything we've ever done. And so, you know, the fact that it's semi-believable and, you know. Oh, actually- I, I think it's believable. I think people, even my roommates, like, first time, like, no, they're like, no way did Rocky Rihanna get the Bucks hat. I'm like, no way they did. <laughs> but then, like, we actually do get Jack Harlow on a T-shirt, and that it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw that one, and I was like, no way is that real now but you guys have made it where it's like it's hard to know what's believable and not and that's kind of like the fun of it speaking of like you know you talked about the licensing what was that like for you guys to get that licensing from uw and like now you guys are in the fucking bookstore you know it was a process i mean i knew the day would come but it took a long time once we finally started to take the steps necessary which makes sense. I mean, it can't just be your everyday person or, you know, it, it should be somewhat difficult to do, but it's a balance between creativity and also just like university gear, because they do Mm -hmm. want it to just be university gear. And as creatives, we're trying to, you know, change the color of a logo maybe, or change the drop shadow of a W or, you know, just, black out the badger bear and mm. you know these are things that you can't do and so it started off as bootleg obviously and that was a fun space to be in but eventually fanatics came calling and we had to answer that call and <laughs> go through the process of becoming licensed and it's been a great learning experience fanatics was a little bit tough to work with just because they're so big and yeah you know it's hard to get a hold of people and application took three months longer than they told us but Mm -hmm. it ended up timing out perfectly because we were licensed by august i think we started the process in april Mm. and so you know what what was supposed to be three weeks was three months but we got it done and you know as now we're able to properly pay uw madison for their intellectual property and that's why i think it's important we get to madison so 
we're able to, you know, start to build our own narrative with the school and, yeah. and try to develop an ecosystem with other creatives in the community and, mm-hmm. you know, really start to build our own community surrounding the capability to use their IP. How would a Wisconsin design team shop look? I think that's what you mentioned before, something that you want to do is like, how would that brick and mortar space like work for you guys? That's a good question. And we're definitely still in the brainstorming phase of that. You know, we're all working that problem out in our heads and coming to the table with the best solution. And so we have a couple directions that we have in mind. And, you know, we definitely want to be close to the university, primarily on State Street and, you know, wood panel, plaid couch, maybe a buck hanging up in the in the would middle you, of the wall. Would you have like a buck hanging out on like the front of your store? You know how like most stores have like the little little like logo of themselves. You guys just have like a buck. That's a good idea. It definitely <laughs> look like you just walked into a cabin up north would be the Is that the goal? Is like you kind of like you don't think like people could come in there without knowing who you guys are and be like surprised that it you guys be, it should be a surprise, I would hope. Yeah, you hope so. It should scream Wisconsin. <laughs> well, are there other things in 2023 that like you want to grow and advance with Wisconsin Design Team, or is like the big thing being like you guys opening up your own space in some way? I mean, that's so big in and of itself because it opens up, you know, numerous amounts of avenues from there. We're not able to connect with our community that we've started to grow and develop and it would be amazing to have a space where all those people can come and, Mm -hmm. you know, develop more ideas and not just have it be us for getting creative, making stuff, you know, to actually involve people who are interested in that space and want to, you know, continue to build that and and give opportunities to students and like-minded individuals in the areas. Such a big thing for us moving forward. And something that having our own space would enable. And so I think that would be the other big goal is just to start to lay the groundwork for that to work well. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is basically all I have from you. What can the people look forward from Mr. Sam Engelhart and your endeavors? Look forward to the space in Madison where, you know, we're we're trying to grow our team. And like I said, get like-minded individuals who see what it is we're doing and want to add something to it that's dope and then where can the people find you they can find me at 577 nostrand (laughs) avenue in crown heights brooklyn it's where i eat sleep and live all right thank you so much man likewise bro appreciate the time yep Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew, and I want to thank Sam for taking the time to speak with me today. And to Sam Walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode. This episode was all about how you can take a singular idea and run with it. So if you yourself are looking to expand on that singular idea that you and someone you may know has, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Itamoto and at underscore August shop and find August located on 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin or on august-shop.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum.